dude, free Andy has a very clean lad. And and with like it's, all it's Solana, like Solana purple all the way through, it's yep. it's super nice. I am I am very jealous that you have all the purple. Purple is the best color. I see Andy's wearing an awesome purple shirt. Purple is the best color. It is. So if anyone's wondering, it is. I have an elusive hat up here, also purple. Wait. One of the reasons elusive is I mean, so great. People can't see that, but I also have an elusive. Hey yo, yo, is that from Breakpoint? That is from break, Breakpoint, yes. Yeah, samesies. Yeah, the Madlast game for me was pretty simple. I had one whitelist, and I mean that that I didn't get public. My transaction was sent, but then Candy Machine was already empty. And so I revealed mine, and I didn't like it. And so I dropped it on the floor and got myself another one with a little bit more cash. Tell me more about the game. I heard about the game, but like I said, since I didn't mint, I didn't get to play the game or anything. I saw like the Mad Rug King XNFT app like after after the fact, and it was like you click all the tiles and try to find your NFT. What was yeah. it like during the actual mint itself? I mean, it was fun because of all the hype that the people were in. And I skipped a birthday party. I left early such that I can be part of that mint. And then I stayed up until three again. Classic mint four. move. Yeah. The game itself wasn't particularly interesting. You literally click the rugs to make them disappear. And there were a bunch of HP that this boss had. And I think they eventually manually set it to defeated because the HP were going down way too slow. And then we could find our rug and reveal the mad lad. It had like a million HP and you had to like click a box like 10 times in order to kill that box and it would drop yeah. at like one HP. So it was like, okay, this is going to yeah. take all night, even with 10,000 yeah. people, which is not 10,000 people, but you know, even with 10,000 people going at it. So I think they flipped the switch and just were like, oh, you did it. You defeated him. Yeah. The whole point of this is to showcase, hey, we have it all in app. We can do cool stuff. Yeah, I was surprised to find out that the like the Mad Lad NFT itself is also like somehow tied with an XNFT. I haven't looked into like the actual tech behind XNFTs yet, but like when I open Backpack, it is an XNFT. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what what makes up an XNFT. I, I, I had a bit of a look at it, and it seems to conform to the Metaplex standard. My understanding is it just has basically some front end code attached to it. That yeah, that backpack can run. Mm. I need to dig more into XNFTs. Andy, when when are you going to do an XNFT video on YouTube so I can watch it and learn how to XNFT? I actually did one right after Breakpoint, and I could manage to get my XNFT to work, so I never published that video. Oh, so well, awkward. Still got, <laughs> right, <laughs> still gotta get back to that and figure that stuff out. XNFTs, PNFTs, focused on CNFTs now. It's just too so much, many you know? fucking mm. NFT standards. Compressed NFTs. <laughs> right. They're all the same standard under the hood. They're like interfaces. You have like an NFT generic interface, and then you have things that are built on top of it. It's like your base class when you're programming. You're just inheriting the properties of the base NFT with additional special don't pretend sauce like it. you understand inheritance you're a javascript engineer not a, there's no there's no hey there's no i did over i there. did php for a little bit you i typescript just, typescript just has types around if these are conceptually different though 
in in my head like they don't uh, need the token program not, anymore and so it's like so they don't use the same program but they follow the same metadata because like an nft itself like a non-fungible token by definition is just a certificate of authenticity you can just use the blockchain to prove you own something and like the metadata is like really what you're owning. It just, the metadata just points to whatever it is that you own, whether it's a, a JPEG, a, a video, something else. That's all it is. Like the NFT is like the base layer of everything. And then you have whatever metadata you want to actually own. Your, your NFT is your, your certificate of authenticity and your proof of ownership of block space effectively. Right. So yeah. it's like, and that's all something know. that you can change. You can update the metadata. So I don't, I mean, yeah, as long as we... You can turn that off though. You can make it so you can't change it. Yeah. And in fact, with compressed NFTs, I don't think you can change them right now. I think they're immutable. I don't think the ability to change, or not XNFTs, compressed NFTs. I'm pretty sure compressed NFTs are immutable and there's no way to actually change the metadata currently. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure. They have a mutable flag, so they... I don't think it works, though. Well, that's a different story. I have not tried this. <laughs> I, I also have not tried it in my defense. I've just heard things. But yeah, Mad Lads, they were, they were selling like fucking crazy. Oh, my God. They were, they were topping all like the NFT charts of total sale volumes. They were getting like 1.5, 1.6 million per day for the first like week or so. It's been about a week, week and a half. And like all of Solana was doing like 4 million. And it's like Mad Lads are 1.5 of that. Yep. So that was a I just looked floors down a little bit today into the eighties. I should probably pick up another one or two because I still only have the one I minted and I have been meaning to pick one that is more aesthetically pleasing to me. You gotta get an Android? Get I, an Android. I already have an Android. I minted an Android. Oh, how many how many mad lads do you guys I said have? One. Just the one I I'm fine with mine though. Just the one I minted. I wish I wish I had a female the floors, the mm. the price of those is high though. There. Yeah, I I mean that's why I I couldn't afford one or didn't. I mean I don't want to spend like more than a month worth of salary on. I mean you know. <laughs> yep. Yep. I didn't want to spend how much I spent on mine, and it is <laughs> not a month's worth salary, but it is the most expensive NFT that I've ever bought. It's actually the cheapest NFT that I ever bought. Probably not true, but like the. It's the cheapest high price one. Yeah. It, it was the first <laughs> Which makes real sense, mint I that I was participating in. I usually just well, and it, and it was like and it was cheaper for you because of that because you got to mint at six point yeah. nine. Exactly. Ugh. Nick feeling the pain. I mean, Ugh. and then I sold and immediately rebought, which makes me have to pay three hundred euros in taxes just from that. Oof. But worth it. Okay. Actually, that that brings up a good question. I'm super curious about how. Like, cause you're in, where in Europe are you? Austria. You're in Austria. How does Europe and Austria specifically handle crypto taxes and NFTs? Cause like in the U S it's like super dumb. That is an excellent question that not even my tax advisor can really answer. So yeah, I will, I will not make statements cool. about that. Cool. So we're Fine. in the same boat. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Nick yeah. and I have talked about how it's, it's, just a it's huge that cluster. in the U S as well. Lovely, lovely. Let's pivot just a little bit and finally do like a little bit of introduction on you, Andy. We know you make videos, mostly educational videos for Solana. I am curious to know more about your background, how you got into Solana generally, 
And then more specifically, what made you get into creating content videos? I'm particularly interested, obviously, in in the videos that you make based off of our sold app course. So there are two tracks that come together here. The one is the video making that I started maybe when I was 18 or so. I decided, hey, being a YouTuber would be fun. So I made my first videos, comical stuff that is still online and makes me cringe if I watch it. But it's fun that it's still there. And so, yeah, I kept doing that mainly like blogging, whatever I wanted to talk about for the longest time. I think five years I did daily vlogs. So I got into the how to make videos and how to speak in front of a camera, how to feel good with that. And the other side is I studied computer science. And I was just interested to play around with stuff. And so oh, actually I came through investment to the crypto space. And my, my investment club suggested Bitcoin. And after like half a year of first investing in Bitcoin, I really just figured out what the tech is about. And then I read more about it and watched YouTube videos. And then I saw on a platform, I think it was one uh, 1729 or something, there was a bounty for making a video about Solana tokens. And I was like, I've heard about Solana. That seems I remember you talking about that and like publishing that content. That was some of the first Solana content I had ever seen. Yeah. It was I also made a video about NFTs a bit earlier. That was from another challenge. I think that was on Gitcoin. And I won that bounty. And I was like, oh, I can do that again. And I did that again. And I won that bounty as well. And then they wanted to make they wanted me to make more videos. So I made two more on the topic of Solana and tokens. And that's essentially how I started. And then those videos did pretty well because nobody else was making content. And so I decided to just make more. And that's where that third channel came from, the Solandi one. That first had a different brand, but now it's the Solandi channel. Nice. Somewhere along the line, did you... I mean, it, it seems like somewhere along the line, you became a bit of a true believer in Solana, not just not just like I'm making videos because there's a bounty. Is that true? Or are you still kind of like, I don't really care? No, I, I am pretty much a believer now. Like it was, and it came pretty early, right? I played around a little bit with Ethereum and Solana was the first one where I was like, well, that is actually usable. And when I saw <laughs> Serum, back in the days, trading on Radium, I was amazed. This is all on chain? So th- there must be something, right? I was I was really impressed by the confirmation speeds and everything and, and how smooth the wallets were. So I decided that's the one where I'll stay now and where I'll focus and where I try to learn how to program that stuff. Nice. What's your background in programming? Are you... Are there like particular languages? Because you said you studied computer science. Did you go to university? And and I think I remember you saying something about you were a professor as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's a funny story because in kindergarten, I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. And then in, in primary school, I wanted to be a primary school teacher. And that game, I kept playing until university. So I went to high school that was focusing on technical education and parts of that was programming. And there I really just learned programming in Java, I think. Yeah. And then at university, I learned Gross. other languages, C, C++, C Sharp, all the, all the standard stuff. Yeah. And 
a lot of Python in the end where I did my thesis. And Rust, I only started learning last year because of Solana. But when you have a computer science background, you know the theory behind it. So it's pretty simple to learn a new language. Yeah, I think even with uh, without having a computer science background, like I, I don't have a university degree. I never went to university. I'm completely self-taught. But I've I've taught myself like four languages at, at any given time that I was like competent in. Uh, now I'm pretty much only competent in like one and a half maybe. But like once you learn the programming concepts and the computer science concepts, it's just transferring between different languages is, is surprisingly easy for people yeah. who are like passionate about programming. Yeah, I've always found that learning a new framework is more difficult than learning a new language, right? The, la yeah. the language concepts typically transfer yeah. a little bit more one-to-one, -one, whereas the framework or the programming model isn't always the same. Speaking of which, yeah. like the Solana programming model, I think is, uh, I'd, I did not have much of a prior mental model that prepared me for the Solana programming model. It was like of the, I don't know, four or five different frameworks that I've used professionally, the Solana programming model was the most different for me. So I'm curious, Andy, was that similar for you or, or did you feel like you picked that one up pretty quickly? Oh, I picked it up pretty quickly because, I mean, I, I had the mental model of, well, the account is just a bunch of data and now we just need to serialize stuff into that. And since we know it's just, a, I, I imagine it as an array, it's just a bunch of data. So it was pretty easy. Also the, the concept with the PDAs, I mean, I know how hash functions work. So I got there pretty quickly. What took some time for me was the programming in Rust and the, the whole entry point and, and mapping stuff. I don't know if mapping is the right word. Like mapping instructions, having like instruction variants and, yeah. and mapping that to... I mean that too. Just I I didn't feel comfortable writing Rust programs in the beginning because I was like, oh, this is dealing with Sol, and I, I was a bit scared before. Now I'm like, okay, I'm confident. I know what this all does. But in the beginning, when I was reading Rust, I was like, ah, what is that question mark here and and unwrap? What does that do? So it took a while until I got to that place now where I feel confident in actually writing and reading code. Got it. Yeah, R Rust does have a lot of very interesting syntax that you don't always find in, in other languages. It's certainly more verbose than some programming languages, but, you know, it comes with advantages. Yeah, also, I, I, I really started programming on Solana, right? Smart contracts. I never did it with Solidity. And I think that's like one of my shortcomings. I kind of still want to learn it and see what it how it's done on ethereum and at the same time i can't be bothered so i'm like Ugh. it would be good to make to make the links but like, part of what yeah. made learning solana difficult for me i think was the preconceived notions of how you make smart contracts on solidity because they are they are just very different mental models and and so it's it's like coming from oh i know how to do smart contracts with solidity and then being like, oh, it, it doesn't work that way in on Solana. Yeah. Like that was that was part of the difficulty for for me. Once I properly said, oh, these are the three things that do kind of map over, and then forget everything else and start from scratch in terms of the learning, then it became much much easier. Yeah. So I, I think that's why it was so easy for me because I knew nothing, and then 
now I know how Solana works, right? I just learned that. Yeah. For what it's worth, like you wouldn't have any problem picking up Solidity in a number of like in a number of hours, probably even. It's a very simple way to program. It's it's very similar to like, oh, you just create a class in Java and that's your that's your smart contract, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I'm curious about, since we have both of you here, like Sol Andy, you create so much content and educational content on YouTube. And James and some other people have created like the de facto Learn Solana course, Solana development course. What would you both say as probably the, aside from just going to the course and going to the YouTube videos, what would you guys say is like probably the best way for a new Solana developer to learn Solana? Like someone who's just interested, but like we'll assume they have like some amount of programming experience. What would you say is probably the best way to actually learn how to Solana? My tip would be do something that you want to do. So find something that you're interested in. Oh, I would like to solve this problem or I would like to. For me, I started out with that fee redeemer thingy. I noticed, ah, there are token accounts that are not being closed. So I made it the challenge for me. How can I do that? So I tried to figure that out. How can I call instructions on the token program such that I close those accounts? And then you go from there, right? So to set yourself a goal, try and work towards that. And then you realize, oh, I don't know enough about that. So I should read up on that or watch some videos. If you don't have any idea, the course is actually great. Go through the course, you know, <laughs> lesson by lesson. Shameless plug, <laughs> Soldev course plug. or the, the Solana course on Soldev. <laughs> yeah, really, those videos are one of my favorite videos. Like it's my favorite video series that I make myself. You learn a bunch in there. It's really condensed and great videos to watch. However, they do the worst on my channel. Darn. Interesting. I mean, that, that actually makes sense to me. They're pretty dense, right? Those lessons are dense. Like Nick said, the, the course is meant to be as comprehensive as possible. And I don't know that this was exactly planned, but I think the way that it is ended up happening is people then take the course and modify it to suit different communities, different audiences. And then I think it does better from there, right? So it's like built space core, for example, like that is, is built based off of my course, but it has like the build space flair and works for the build space community. And so I think it does better through there. Similarly, I think your videos, even though you say they do the worst on your channel, I think they, your videos probably bring in more viewers than, than like daily readers of the course, just because it's dense content and you make it more fun and exciting and engaging for people. But, and that's a tough challenge. Making, making that kind of dense content engaging is, is a, is a very difficult challenge. I still use the course as a reference for myself. Oh, I did that. It wasn't the course. I then look it up again. I, I wrote so. a lot of it, right? Like some, like I didn't write every lesson. I, I, we've got a team working, working with me, but it's like, I wrote a, a good chunk of it and I've gone through all of it multiple times because I, I edited every word in there and I still do the same thing where, where I'll be like, I know I've done this before and I just don't remember off the top of my head and I'll like jump on the soul dev and just look at the code snippet that I'm imagining, but can't remember exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not like in the thick of it, doing the same programming, like techniques and the same programming language, same frameworks, like on a regular basis, that information is naturally going to like fade away in your mind. 
And that's like why I have written blog posts and articles in the past of here's this thing that I figured out how to do once. I'm going to write this down. I'll just publish it somewhere so that way I can go back later when I forget. I'm like, I know it's somewhere. I just pull up my website's GitHub repo and I just like search for the thing I'm looking for. That's how I find my information. It's a great strategy. The reason why I think they do the worst is because it's not a hype topic. The videos that do the best is if the topic is hyped. So the CNFT one did pretty well because we were just talking so much about CNFTs. And then the videos that really made my channel somewhat popular were the ones about Candy Machine. Because in the hype phase of NFTs, people wanted to know how to do that themselves. So those are the videos that do really well. And now if I post like development content, either they're already devs and know how to program in Anchor and they're like, "Eh, I'm not going to watch that. Or they're like, I'm just starting out. This is too difficult for me. So hitting really the sweet spot so that the people that where that would be really good, they would need to start from the beginning again. So that's, I, I think, because it all builds on each other. That's why I think those videos don't do that as well. Yeah, I think for better or for worse, like a lot of people that are searching, especially on YouTube, trying to find programming content, they usually end up clicking on the same videos over and over, partially because like the, you know, YouTube algorithm and serving up the content based off interaction, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, if you look at the, the Solana programming content on YouTube that has the most amount of views, it's like the things that are either in vogue at the time. Like if you look at the timestamp of, of when it was published or like when it got all of its views, like you said, like candy machine, when it was like hype cycle of, of NFTs, everything, but then it's also the like project specific things where people can wrap their head around it. Like there's a course on YouTube for like how to make Twitter on Solana, something like that, or maybe it's like Instagram or TikTok or some social media platform. They like people recognize it. They have this mental model of how it would work. So it's like, oh, I I want to learn Solana and I want to, and I know what this social media platform is. You can like easily connect all those dots in your head and like you can like more easily wrap your head around things because you have a stronger frame of reference for the particular project. Makes sense. Makes sense. I think that's, that's a little bit of, I think what I meant by people tailoring the content, like build space, you know, it's like they've, they've taken the content and, and modified it to be something like that, where it's like, Hey, this is what we'll be building throughout the six week core program. And so that it does have this like very familiar arc to it. So I think that's, that's the content doing its job as, as far as I'm concerned, right? Is it, is it's like a, it's a base platform that can be tailored to anything. I would be curious to see which of your videos that you make end up serving the, the needs that you think are currently lacking because trying to identify like what, where, where are the gaps in education is, is actually like quite difficult you know it's it's like hard to find like pinpoint that exactly maybe i can take a look at your like youtube stats at some point or or something and learn from that yeah the way how i decide those things is just what am i interested in what is not easy for me to find out right or what do i want to learn about and I have a list and then I prioritize and then I just make the next video. So one thing that I did do is how do we use CNFTs in the program? Because there was no real example there yet. So I just 
literally filmed myself for 10 hours trying to figure that out. And then I cut all of that together into a one hour video, which now contains all the explanations. Nice. And that's going to be part of it. Is that your normal process for creating yes. videos? Like you record yourself doing a thing for like a long period, then you go back and edit it down to a more condensed version. Yep. I prefer, I much prefer Oof, that over seems like a, a lot of effort. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, everything is, I mean, everything is effort. Right. But, but that sort of effort is easier for me to take than the planning and scripting and then recording. And then yeah, editing. That's fair. that, that seems much more like work. Whereas when I'm recording myself, figuring it out live is much more fun and I assume it's also more engaging because you see my real emotions, my real frustrations of really not being able to figure it out and then my real happiness of having figured it out. It's true. I do, I do love seeing that like part in your videos where it's like when you know you have figured out something, you just get so happy about it. Yeah. I love seeing it. <laughs> that that's what that's what makes up my videos and that's that's why I also then enjoy editing them because I see that again. And I know the boring parts and I can't just cut that out where I was trying to figure out something for an hour and I didn't get any further. I just cut it. Yeah. So that's my usual process. I just record myself fixing something or going through something or, you know, trying to get something done. I don't build it first and then just talk about it. That to me feels a bit lame. That's fair. I, I want to go back, take a step back and kind of double click on one of the things you said about like you and James both said about like filling gaps of content. I'm curious, what current gaps of content do you see for Solana developers out there? Great question. And that could be anything from, you know, just bare minimum example code. Like your, I, I took a look through the Rust code and the Anchor code you wrote for handling compressed NFT things. And I think that's probably one of the first non-Metaplex published pieces of code of Rust code that actually deals with compressed NFTs. Like there's been there's been a lot of JavaScript and, and TypeScript stuff. Like I, I made one myself. There's one from the Helios team. There's a, there's a couple of other people that have written like blog post articles on it. But aside from Metaplex, I think you are the first one to actually publish Rust code to do compressed NFTs. So that's going to fill a, a, an amazing content gap. Good to hear. I mean, I'm I'm having a really hard time answering this because we ask the hard I'm, questions. Yeah, here. I'm I'm a person. <laughs> I I mean, I go through the docs, and if the docs don't give me anything, I go through the source code, and I'll figure it out. Maybe that's where the content gap is. Then. Yeah, if you get to the point where you feel like you need to go look at the source code, like that's that's a content gap in my mind, and that's like because people shouldn't necessarily have to chew the glass and go to the source code just to learn the thing. That's a content gap in my mind. Yeah, so I mean, there, there are many, right? So in which order do you call all those things? It's just you... Yeah, it's a hard thing to figure out. And that's like part of my job now, <laughs> trying to figure out where to fill those gaps and, and what content we have. Like internally at Foundation, we have a list of assorted, in the DevRel team specifically, we have a list of assorted like articles, guides, pieces of content that we want to create. And like we're slowly getting through them, but there's a there's a long list. Yeah, I mean, it also depends what I what you're looking into. Is it just the pure Solana stuff, or also the protocols? Metaplex has some pretty good documentation, partly. And then <laughs> XNFTs, I didn't 
okay, fair enough. I didn't look much yet, but I didn't see a lot. So there, th that's also why I failed that one video. I was like, I was completely stuck and then I gave up on it. And I was like, I'll finish that tomorrow, right? And then tomorrow never came. So I think the backpack team has openly talked about how like, maybe not recently, but at one point openly talked about like looking for early adopters who don't need documentation, who are just going to dig into the source code and, and figure it out and that kind of yeah. thing. So I think you're right that they don't, they don't have a lot of docs and which is fair enough. I don't think they really have the intention of having great docs in the immediate future. I'm sure it'll get there at, at some point, but they're still just iterating. <laughs> I just pulled up the XNFT docs at docs.xnft.org or dot, uh, dot .gg, sorry. I just pulled it up and I'm like clicking through it and you get to the signing transactions. It's just to do. That's what <laughs> it all says. <laughs> nice. There's, a, there's a, quite a few to-dos in here. Yeah, I mean, clearly you got to set priorities and it's yeah. sometimes also a good thing if not everybody can develop on your platform, right? I mean, yes and no. Armani did a Twitter space right after the Mad Lads launch, and he was talking about someone asked a question of like curation and how the backpack team and, and I guess like Coral as an organization views the curation of XNFTs. And the gist of what I got, and, and some of these things is like explicitly what they said was if you're in the backpack app, eventually when it's on mobile and in the browser extension right now, all the XNFTs that are there are curated. They are only allowing specific people in, specific XNFT apps in. So like you can kind of like have some sensibility of it is a legitimate application in there from a legitimate team. Now, naturally, there's going to be some surface area for bugs and security vulnerabilities like any other application that would be. But like if you see the Magic Eden XNFT, you know that is actually Magic Eden. So app yeah. review. So you're just describing you app review. <laughs> yeah, but it is like, because like it's, and it's the same thing with the Solana Dapp store for the Saga phone. Like anyone can publish these apps, but it doesn't mean you're going to get into the app store is like the gist speaking of it. Of Saga, for speaking now, of Saga phone, did you order a, a, a Saga, Andy? I did. I have the DVT one and then I ordered another one. So I'm going to get two. You'll have two, so I'll have three. I can keep my DVT one. Yeah, nice. So you'll so you'll get your you'll get your production one from the DVT, but then you'll also then you also ordered a second production one. Exactly. Nice. Have you guys gotten any shipping information no, on your actual yet. production phone? At the end of April to Europe. I'll be late later than you guys. So it said the same thing for mine. If it makes you feel better, and I'm in the US, <laughs> I got an email from the Solana mobile team is like, you know, generic automated email of, Hey, we've gotten your information because you had a DVT and we're going to ship them out by the end of the month. I'm like, yeah, Oh, okay, just, same. I just want my phone. Yeah. Same. Because my phone that I currently use is getting broken and more broken. Mine too. But also I'm not that stressed because I learned that the Clayno mint on Saga did not start already but there will be some time in the future mm. so i'm not that stressed about it because that's why i got the saga phone right <laughs> is that why you bought a second one so you can get no. two of the Klanos? i mean <laughs> i'm thinking about not opening one of them and keeping it in the box being like look that's the saga 
Oh, the original way. production unit saga sell it in 10 years is that your plan maybe, no, I don't or know. like a sweet shelf item maybe i give it away no the reason is i i bought another saga pass for getting more cards because i didn't know what they were about and i was like a hundred dollars whatever and then i had that saga pass and the royal flush so i had a hundred dollar discount and i was like i might as well buy one right <laughs> so yeah i yeah i i had like assorted cards and i got we talked about this i think in the last episode but the saga pass cards were basically used to give discounts for purchasing phones, but I had already fully purchased my developer phone. So I'd paid full price and I, there was like no like retroactive way. So I'm just like, well, I have this discount NFT now. I'm just like, okay. It was only like 30 bucks or something, but I tried to give it to other people. I was like, Hey, who wants it? If anyone's listening and they haven't bought a saga phone already, DM me on Twitter or tag me on Twitter and I'll, I'll send the first person my saga pass discount card thing nice yolo are, are they are <laughs> they transferable i think so yes they're normal nfts oh i i don't know i assumed but i maybe that was a bad assumption I'm, on my part i'm pretty sure because i sent mine out to a different wallet to do the purchase because i always do it from a hot wallet well we'll find out whoever wants to take the risk of getting their hopes up and potentially being rugged accidentally <laughs> by me tag me on twitter yeah, but speaking of Solana uh, Mobile and Saga, that's one thing where a lot of content is still missing. How to do mobile apps. I'm, wor- I'm working mm-hmm. on it. How to, how to publish on Ooh. the... Are you really, James? Start, starting next week, I'm working on it. Nice. Are you, are you dropping some alpha right now, that, James? Are you making a Solana mobile course? That's as much as you'll get from me. Starting next week, I'm working Ooh. on it. If you make a Solana mobile course, I'll make videos about it. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I get to find out via Twitter that you made fun of me again on a video. That's <laughs> not made fun. Yeah. Not made fun of. Uh, it, I'm improving the course is what I do. No, I actually, I actually very much appreciate it. I'm just joking around. And he will point out like flaws and stuff in the videos and then he'll, and then he'll tweet about them, which is, which I actually think is great. Any transparent accountability uh, is what that's called. <laughs> well, it's like any attention is good attention. Right. So, so it's like yeah. Andy saying, Hey, this thing's wrong. Just, uh, just gets people watching the video and going to the course. So, and then we all, we even convinced him to start making pull requests when there are issues <laughs> instead of just pointing <laughs> them out. <laughs> Which he yeah. which he did. He started making pull requests, which was which was awesome. Well, you gotta help somehow. But yeah, that's how I, I figured I'd go through the course and then I I, I think about it, is that right? Is it really like that? And I, I love the course because the content is already there and then I just need to go through it and I have my video. Yeah. There's your script. You said you don't like writing scripts. It's like you just you've got your script right there and you just go through and do it. Yeah, someone already wrote your script for you. Exactly. I hate the writing of scripts. I just enjoy the making of video. So you give me the script, I make the video. Sometime soon, probably in the next month, I plan on actually going through the full Solana course that uh, that you wrote and in part watching all the videos that Andy made and like <laughs> have fun. I'll give you some pull requests, James. I, I appreciate that. That's actually going to be awesome because we've had a number of people. I'll give pull requests to both. We've had those. a we've had a number of people go through and review the course as as part of like small bounties, uh, right? But but mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has had proper incentive to like actually make it like give good feedback. You know, like people go through and they'll give like some high level feedback, but but it's like 
you know, I, I, I think Nick, you are both the right person to like the type of person who wants to give feedback and it's now your job. So like, I, I think we'll get great feedback from you okay. similar to the type of great feedback we get from, get from Andy. I guess my question about that though, is can I count that as my on the uh, quote unquote on the clock job? I don't, I don't know if I can. You absolutely, you <laughs> absolutely can. Sure. I mean, aren't you working like full time? Yeah. Like all in. Yeah. He works at foundation go. now. So like, yeah. Yeah, but like that's, I don't way. know. That's I, think I, know I that. I'm gonna talk to Jacob. Jacob, I know you're probably listening to this, so <laughs> that's my question that's, for you. <laughs> Andy, we, we oh, might wanna geez. lean into the the notion of uh, like we've kind of happened upon this thing where like I've made some content that you make videos about and it and we're not doing it very intentionally. But if but if like I don't like making the videos and you don't like writing the script, there may be like an area to actually to, to like intentionally do this instead of it just kind of happening by happenstance. Sure. I mean, I'm up for whatever. Okay. I'll think about that and see if there's some, some space to like collaborate more intentionally instead of the organic collaboration that's happened so far. My goal is to pump out four to six videos a month now. So. Okay. Okay. That content. And I, I got enough, right? I have a, a huge list, but you know, whenever there's a good opportunity, I'm in. Cool. Good good stuff. I like it. Andy, do you want to shamelessly plug anything other than the channel, obviously? Do I want to shamelessly plug? I'm getting better at this. I used to not like to say, hey, subscribe and like my videos. But on the Solana channel, it's actually easy because I actually think that those videos provide value to people. Like I actually think my videos are useful contrary to when I was video blogging and just talking about myself. I'm still talking about myself a lot, but you know, that's just my person. <laughs> you got to have like good personality in videos. And like, that's one of the things that I love about your videos is your personality comes through. It's not like a robot making a video. It's like, Hey, this is a real person. He hits problems like a real person does when they're programming. And it's like, crap, I got to figure this out. You get very happy when you finally figure it out, yeah. just like any other programmer. Like it's, it's the full succinct cycle of programming. And that's basically my selling point. And that's why I'm not afraid that somebody will just copy me and do better content than me. Well, you can make better content than me for sure, but I'm still me. <laughs> <laughs> true that, true that. Listeners, go subscribe to Soul Landy. He's got awesome YouTube videos and uh, some of my content shows up on his videos every once in a while. So for selfish reasons, I'm going to plug his content as well. But Andy has way more personality than I do. So actually go watch his content. Don't like, don't. <laughs> I just show more of my personality. I don't think I have more. <laughs> oh man. Well, cool. Thanks so much for joining us, Andy. This is a lot of fun. I'd be down. I'd be down me. to do this again in the future. Absolutely. Loved it. But thanks for, thanks for hopping on. It was even worth it. Waking up early was even worth it for the conversation. So if, wow. for, for what wow. it's worth. What a compliment. <laughs> 8 a.m. Fuck off, Nick. That is early, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on James with this. <laughs> 8 a.m. is way too early. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll bye see bye you guys. Bye-bye, everybody. Until next week. Bye.